good to return to Pippin. Things have changed slightly. Some of you have gotten uglier, but I understand that because it happens to all of us, doesn't it? It is a genuine joy to have this privilege of association with you good people again. Oh, and I always enjoy gospel meetings, and you people treat us in excellent fashion. Now, I don't know how the teaching will go this morning. The only difference between my preaching and teaching is where I stand. Now, I'm supposed to be preaching standing here. I like to teach standing down there. So we'll do the best we can to make a distinction between the two. There's a great deal of misunderstanding today with regard to the Lord's simple statement in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9. So we want to deal with that this morning in some small way. There came unto him Pharisees, trying him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Are you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh, so that they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why then did Moses command to give her a bill of divorcement and to put her away? And he answered, Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it hath not been so. And I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And he that marrieth her when she is put away, committeth adultery. 3 through 9, Matthew chapter 19, a very simple, basic passage of Scripture. Not an English teacher in the state of Tennessee could write an easier to be understood sentence than Matthew 19.9, as simple as can be. But let's notice this more in detail. There came unto him Pharisees, seeking information by which to order their lives, that they may be happy, well-balanced, please... No, no. These Pharisees came to Jesus like many people do today, seeking justification for a pre-existing situation, or testing him to see what he's going to say, whether or not he agrees with me. There came unto him Pharisees trying him. Wouldn't it be wonderful in our world today if a man just read the book, paid attention to what the Lord is saying? Do it. And there's consistency in the entirety of the Bible. Your life will be filled with peace, harmony, happiness, joy, and a hope that anchors the soul. The disruptions and the problems that arise in our world today are in direct consequence of man who is made in the image of the likeness of God paying no attention to the only source of instruction that will properly regulate his life. It is amazing. They came unto him Pharisees trying him and saying, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now there were two principal schools of thought on this subject. In that day, the school of Hillel was rather liberal, for almost any reason. Burn the biscuits, or if he gets out of bed on the wrong side and she says something that he thought he didn't want to hear, put her away, you know, send her back to her father's house. 
then there was the school of Chimay, uh, much more conservative. Only for sexual infidelity may one put away his wife and contract a second marriage. Now, they probably wondered, these Pharisees that came trying him, which side will he fall on? I mean, which side will he take? Where will he? Let me tell you something about the Lord. There are no sides. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, verse 6. But note the article. The way, beside which there is none. The truth, beyond which there is none. The life, giver of physical and spiritual life. And that's it. That's it. You know, sometimes we want to rebel. Made in the image of the likeness of God, we're independent spirits. And we're going to live forever. And I think I'm going to have my way. It is amazing. That never works. Uh, there's no peace of mind. There's no harmony in the life. There is no good relationship in the friendships that we enjoy. But if I would apply the Lord's teaching, it is amazing how it would change life in its entirety. I say, ah, is it lawful for man to put away his wife for every cause? Where will he fall? He won't fall. He's the way, the truth, the life. He doesn't take sides. He's just one way. One way. Nobody says, well, that's just too narrow. That's right. That's the only source of happiness. That's the only source of fullness. Uh, that's the only means of recognizing who you are from whence you came and where you're going, what you should have been doing here. How much harmony and peace do you see in our land today? China financially owns this country. And if we keep spending billions of dollars every month to interfere with the lives of people who don't know how to live happily and orderly, they'll own us completely. We borrow continually. It is amazing. But even in our moral standing in this land today, you know, I noticed on the news the other day, you need to get you a gas cap that has a lock on it. You have to open it with a key. Why? Oh, hey, gas is going about $4 a gallon. And by the way, they now have invented a system that enables a thief just to put the holes in. He doesn't have to siphon that stuff. And now just hook it up to a little battery. It just dumps it over and when they steal your credit card, oh, they have a little gadget about the size of a man's uh, billfold, and just hold it down below the counter, run your credit card through it, and you got the whole thing. Put it in your pocket and hand you back your credit card. And if thieves would put the intelligence they have into worthy activities, they'd be millionaires. It is amazing. Morals, ungodliness, immorality. How much happiness you see in this country? Oh, people jumping up and down, they think they're having a good time. That's heathenism. No happiness. 2.30 in the morning, wake up. Who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing here? Oh, all of that's answered in the book. Oh, and when you follow, oh, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearance, your patience, be made known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. In Philippians 4, verse 4, somebody said, well, preacher, you just described the situation, and there's no joy in this. Well, that's not contingent upon externals. That's contingent upon the commitment and dedication of my heart and life. How can I rejoice with everything going on in this world that's occurring to the Lord's year? Right? The Lord is at hand. Then let him be anxious. But in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Oh, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Life really is simple, but it has to be based upon truth. You are made in the image and the likeness of God. You will stand before him to be judged in the final analysis. Or on the basis of that judgment is the written, revealed, all-sufficient, totally authoritative revelation of the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God. John chapter 12, verse 48. Oh, when you live then in harmony with the Lord's will, uh, that's fullness and happiness. And there came unto him Pharisees crying him and saying, Is it lawful for the man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Do you not feel that... Uh, no, no, he, he didn't ask them how they feel or how they felt about this thing. Uh, that has nothing to do with it at all. You hear people say today, Well, I feel in my heart that... What was it Jeremiah said? Chapter 17, verse 9, isn't it? He said, The heart is deceitful above all things and exceedingly corrupt. Who can know it? That's why the wise man wrote in Proverbs 28, verse 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. How you feel about it has nothing to do with the facts. If you want to feel right, do right. Oh, that's the way that they didn't ask him how they felt. He said, uh, when he asked that question, Do you not think it... <laughs> no, no, he didn't ask him what they thought about it. Oh, sure, we're thinking creatures made in the image and the likeness of God, and thinking is an important part of our success in this whole world. Why, sure, but uh, what you think about God's Word is not important. No, no. He didn't ask them what they thought or how they felt. He said, uh, have you not read? Amen. Have you not read? Oh, all of the instruction for daily living and happiness and eternal joy is uh, written down. Right, every scripture inspired of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly, that's thoroughly, totally, absolutely, completely furnished unto every good work. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The problems with humanity is we don't know the truth. Well, somebody says, I read it more, but I can't understand. Delete the proper names from the Bible, Old and New Testaments. Length of the average word is a little less than five letters. Yeah, many of those words are monosyllable. Oh, and it's written down between the sixth and eighth grade level. It's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of faith. We're not interested. We are not reading God's word. What did you say, Lord? Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Have you not read? 
Adam, but back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I mean, God does no shadow work. You have a perfect man and a perfect world. And Isaiah said, chapter 45, verse 18, It was not created to be a waste. It was created to be inhabited. And when God had created the entire earth, he said, Let us make man in our image. Ooh perfect man in a perfect world, no flies, no gnats, no noxious plants, everything perfect, and every beast of the field subject to man. You know about the first thing God said concerning Adam? Verse 18, Genesis chapter 2, not good that the man should be alone. You know It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a help meet for him, M-E-E-T, suitable, answering to his needs. What Adam need? Oh, he's made in the image and the likeness of God. Oh, 1 John 4, verse 8 tells us God is love. Right. Well, then Adam needed someone for whom he could be responsible. Someone who could be the object of his love. Right. As someone in whose embrace he could be complete and perfect. Right. So, lower forms of animal life brought before him, he named them none found a suit. Oh, God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and while he slept, he opened his side, took a rib therefrom, closed up the flesh, and stood thereof, and of the rib he made the woman and gave her to be with the man. Adam then said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Therefore she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And God said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 24. Have you not read... That he who made them from the beginning made them male and male and said for that, that, that what? Uh, uh, no, 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 listen. Read my lips. He who made them from the beginning made them male and female. Oh, uh, for this cause, one's male and one's female. And when you stop to think about that, uh, logical, common sense, even in the world of vegetation, have you heard of uh, the birds and the bees? I mean, the value of cross-pollination? I'm sure you've, you've heard about that. Why, sure. He who made them from the beginning made them male and female. Oh, now today, in our highly civilized, enlightened land, and some states already have, but we're in danger of legalizing the so-called union of male and male, female and female, same sex, and call marriage, you know, we've lost it. It is amazing when you get away from God. Common sense is uh, less and less likely to be made manifest. Well, now somebody said, preacher, homosexuality is just an alternate lifestyle. There's a Greek word for that, if I could pronounce it properly. I believe it's called hogwash. Homosexuality is not a lifestyle. Homosexuality is a death style. You can reproduce. You have to recruit. Who ever heard of such an ungodly, gross, immoral sin being a lifestyle, let alone called marriage? Well, that's out of the question. Now somebody says, well, I preacher, you just hate, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Don't tell me what I like and dislike or hate or love. The homosexuality, homosexual is a soul, an immortal soul for whom Jesus Christ died. And above everything else, he wants him to be saved. And I'm a follower of Christ. John chapter 21, verse 22. I want him to be saved. But to be saved, you have to recognize sin. And you have to know that if you continue therein, it will damn your soul in the fire of hell. And I want you to understand that. But any time you want to, you can turn to him who loved you enough to die to redeem your soul. Oh, he'll happily forgive you. Paul pointed that out First Corinthians, did he not? Sure, chapter 6 and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were justified. You were sanctified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sure, it can happen. But sin must be identified. Homosexuality is why God destroyed the cities of the plain. The city of Sodom became a synonym for homosexuality. Sodom. And he so thoroughly, completely obliterated those cities that today their exact location cannot be established on the map. And if we continue in sin, we'll lose our souls. Friends, the truth will make you free. Have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause, Shall a man leave his father and his mother? Stop there and throw in a parenthetical statement. Young people, when you get married, if your parents live on the West Coast, do you move to the East Coast or vice versa? And I can see the grandmas with the ball bat after the preacher. Who ever heard of that? No, you don't have to move that thought. No, no. But cut the apron strings. When you get married, there's one woman in your life. One woman. Oh, sure. There's a place for mama. We love her. She's done a good job, and we honor and appreciate this one woman in your life. You have established a home of your own. You have a personal, individual responsibility. And this is a first concern, the home that you have leave father and mother. You need some advice, and you think they can supply it, go to them. They'll be glad to help, Say. But you are independent. You have established a home of your own. You are not dependent upon your parents. The apron strings have been cut. Leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. And he cleave to his wife. That, that's a good one, you know. They, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, my wife is an excellent shot with a rifle. I mean, you can fill that gallon paint bucket full of water and hammer that lid on that thing, set it out there about 70, 75 yards. She can take that 243 or 270. That lid goes 30 feet in the air, and that splits that bucket in three pieces, and that water flies. She can shoot that rifle. But a camera? Belt buckle. Top of your head. Your feet. I mean, if you put all this together, you get a pretty good picture out of that. Same way with glue. I remember she broke an item one time she wanted to keep, and so that was about the time this uh, ad on television had the elephant hanging by a single drop. You remember that drop of glue holding that elephant up? That's powerful. So, oh, we bought some of that. Mm, had to mix this together, you know, and, and holding this thing, and she glues my trigger finger to my thumb. I thought I ruined it. I'll never go home again. Well, it took us 30 minutes to get that thing. Hey. 
You don't need that kind of glue to put something you've broken together, but you need that kind of glue in marriage. That's it. That's it. Cleave to his wife. Oh, and there is no greater relationship. There is no greater source of happiness and joy and fullness in life. No question. Said, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. And he repeated that for emphasis, so that they are no more two, but one flesh. That's interesting. What therefore God hath joined together, forget it. Right? What therefore the justice of the peace, the captain of the ship, or the preacher has joined together. Uh, uh, uh. No, those fellows are licensed to say the marriage ceremony. No, no. When that preacher asked the question, you give it serious consideration before you answer. Say, because when you say, I do, you're looking God Almighty straight in the eye. And all you need to know about what God thinks of one who reneges on a vow is to read the Old Testament. Say, I do. If you don't, don't say it. You see that beautiful operation floating down the aisle on the arm of her father? And in your mind, you don't, you just don't love her more than you love your own life. Say so. Say so right then. Somebody says, well, too much might a world full of money. That's no problem. Yeah, but all these witnesses here has nothing to do with it. No say. No say. This is a matter between you, God Almighty, and this fine young lady. And if you don't love her more than you love your own life, forget it. Don't dishonor her by marrying her. Ah, yes. Meet. For him. Him, double E-T, suitable answering. Makes him complete. You see, that's the only way you can restore Eden. A paradise was lost when Adam transgressed the one prohibition placed upon himself and Eve in beautiful Eden. You can restore it. That's it. No, it's in the sacred relationship of marriage. That's what marriage is all about. That's it. That's where I live. Paradise. 2365 New Columbia Highway. Anytime you're down there, you're welcome. And as you turn off the highway, just before you cross that first cattle guard, if you look on either side, there's a big metal iron post. There's a steel cable running from one to the other, bearing a sign that has one word. The word's paradise. Say, oh no, not paradise because of the way it looks. Oh, we like it. Two-story house, you know, surrounded with green fields and uh, three-panel vinyl fence around it. And, uh, you know, that's nice. We will, oh no, no, that's not why it's called paradise. Called paradise because of that little girl that lives there, with whom I'd rather be than with any person I've ever known in all my life. She makes it a place of joy, contentment, of happiness and peace, wonderful beyond description. That's Eden. That's paradise. You know, sometimes people get the idea, well, a paradise removes all of the labor and the... <laughs> Do you remember when God... Uh, planted the beautiful garden eastward in Eden and there he placed the man whom he had made and out of the ground he made to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food in the midst of the garden the tree of life and also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know the first thing he said to Adam? Go to work, boy. Go to work. Dress 
house and keep the garden. Oh, for their responsibilities in paradise. Yes, well, there are problems uh, that uh, must be met in paradise on this earth, in a marriage that provides for your complete happiness. Right, but then you do that together. You can handle it. Yes, sir. No longer two, but one flesh. Working together. Everything is done just that way. Mm. Uh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So I just uh, what, what, what does he mean by that? You can't uh, put it asunder. What therefore God hath joined together, it's joined. And that's it. Can't break it up. Well, they said, why then did Moses command to give her a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And you can read about that, Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Man takes a wife, finds some flaw or something in her, and write her a bill of divorcement, send her back to her father's house. She can go and be the wife of a second man. Oh, but if the second man put her away or die, the first man can't take her back, that ground's polluted. Well, now, Lord, what are you going to do with that? I mean, there's an ex... He said, Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered. You don't suffer the rule, you suffer the exception to the rule. Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been so. And I did just a moment. Well, you stop to think about it. For their hardness of heart, when you read your Bible, in the Old Testament period of time, patriarchy and the law of Moses, where did woman stand? Hardly at all. Hardly. The man, you know. If anybody ever owed Jesus Christ a debt of gratitude, it's the fairer sex. He lifted her to her rightful position beside her husband. Equal. Oh. But that was not true under the law. You just imagine one of those old potentates married a woman and found out he didn't like her. Everything she did just agitated. Well, he'd work that woman to death. She'd be treated... Terribly. God didn't intend for the woman to be treated that way. I say, Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered you to put away your wives. Oh, but uh, from the beginning, it had not been so. Well, we understand that principle. A lot of the marriages in that day were formed on the basis of politics, money, occasionally on the basis of love, and that's always wonderful, works out well, but uh, many of the women were considered as chattel. Slaves bought with money. And they, in that day, didn't have a lot of regard for human life. I mean, she says something that he didn't want to hear. It could be that in his powerful position, he may just say to his uh, executioner, take her out and kill her. Well, that's about what you'd do today with your animal, isn't it? For instance, you need a herd bull. You found one, he's two years old. Who paid $3,500 for him? He is a dandy, I mean. And you know, one day you're going out to the back 40, and as you pass that rack, you just reach and get that 44 Magnum off the rack and uh, cross the fence and head for the back 40. All of a sudden you hear, and you look down the corner of the pasture, and that rascal's got his head down and he's pouring around. And here he comes, like a freight train. Right between the eyes. Stick him with your pocket knife and make hamburger out of him. I bought him, I'll kill him. That's what we do, isn't it? 
Well, sure, nobody's standing there like that bull just because he costs $3,500. Wipe me out? No, sir. That's, oh, that's the way they did the women. They didn't have regard for women. Now, that's not true of all men. Oh, but generally speaking. What did you say, Lord? Why then did Moses command to give her a bill of divorcement and to put her away? Oh, Moses, for your hardness of heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it had not been so. And I say unto you, now, if we have time and we don't, but I say unto who's speaking? Jesus Christ. Creator of heaven and earth, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28 at verse 18. Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us, verse 23, Matthew chapter 1. He's doing the speaking. But I say unto you that whosoever, and the pronoun whosoever applies to the descendants of Adam, big, little, old, young, black, white, rich, poor, makes no difference. In the church, out of the church, has nothing to do with it. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committed adultery. And he that marrieth her when she is put away, committed adultery. Somebody says, well now, how could that be? He's living with another man's wife. That's adultery. What therefore God had thrown together, forget it. Well, somebody says, we got a divorce. That's civil law. We must obey God rather than man. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. What did the Lord say about marriage? That's a permanent arrangement. I intend to talk about that, and so we'll develop that a little bit later here this morning. But uh, I say unto you that whosoever, and that applies to the descendants of Adam, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, come to the adultery, unless, except, he puts her away for sexual infidelity, from which she or he will not repent. Our reconciliation is much better than the destruction of a home. But if it is forgiven, don't ever mention it again. Never. And the Lord knew the difficulty that man has with that kind of thing. So he made that one exception. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another, committed adultery. And he that married her when she is put away, committed adultery. You see, what God has joined together, that's it. That's it. They're married. And he puts her away and marries someone else. Without that one exception, that woman he married is living with another man, woman's husband. Oh, and if she is put away without that exception and a man marries her, he's living with another man's wife. Marriage is for life. We'll notice that, of course, at a later time. Did he give a serious thought? Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And he that marrieth her when she is put away, committeth adultery. He'd write a more simple, readily understood sentence. Oh, but somebody says, now Paul in First Corinthians chapter 7 he gives other uh, exceptions, and so <laughs> if he did, he didn't mention it. Well, no. Uh, to the married, he said, I give charge. First Corinthians 7, verse 10. Oh, no, not I, but the Lord. What are you saying, Paul? Here's something the Lord mentioned in his personal ministry. Oh, that a wife depart not from her husband, but should she depart, let her remain unmarried 
or else be reconciled to her husband. Because if she marries someone else, she'll be living in adultery, and so will he. Oh, the Lord taught on that, didn't he? Oh, but to the rest say, I, not the Lord. Here's something the Lord didn't mention. If uh, a believing husband has an unbelieving wife, she's contented well with him, let him not leave her. And the unbelieving woman who is a Christian has an unbelieving husband, he's content, let her not leave him. No, no. Or the unbelieving husband sanctified in the wife, the unbelieving wife sanctified in the husband. Otherwise, your children will be illegitimate. No, no, you're married. Otherwise, your children will be unclean. Oh, but that next verse, verse 15, is where people have a lot of trouble. But if the unbelieving departed, let him depart. The brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases. Right. Well, somebody says, there it is. Now, if one does not accept the fact that I'm a Christian, and he's not going to tolerate that, and he just simply leaves as an unbeliever because I'm a Christian, I'm free to marry. That's not talking about marriage. The bond here is not the marriage bond. The believing husband or wife is not bound, he's not obligated to renounce Christ to maintain marriage to a heathen. Oh, the only way you can remarry is in the death of a spouse or sexual infidelity. That's the only exception the Lord gave. So you're not under bondage to renounce Christ in order to maintain a marriage to an unbeliever. Right, that's what he's saying. Oh, that has nothing to do with verse 10. Let her not leave her husband. Oh, but should she depart? And it may be necessary. Uh, sometimes things get rough and men don't have respect for women as they should and maybe her safety and so it may be that she has to leave him uh, for a while. And uh, uh, if she does, let her remain unmarried. Well, somebody says he's mean as a snake. I mean, he mistreats her, he abuses her. She needs to get her somebody that you marry again, you'll be living in adultery. Well, now somebody says, yeah, but preacher, that's just the first time you come to... If you live a thousand years with someone else's wife, you're living in adultery. Then you can't make language any clearer than the Lord's teaching. Matthew 19 at verse 9. Think about it.